0: the name of the lollipop guild we wish to welcome you to snescapades a chronological journey through the north american super nintendo library with a few pit stops along the way we play them briefly we judge them harshly we rank them that is pretty much all you need to know i am chase keys and i'm emmy zero folks we've got some games today uh you know it, it's been a long October nineteen ninety three. My yep. my favorite Counting Crow song. Um <laughs> and uh you know this month is gonna go out with uh something a little closer to a whimper than a bang, let's say, but uh uh-huh. we, got, we, we got one pretty decent game today to talk about at least. We
1: we do. We do. We at least have that. Uh we also have some we have some stuff that I I I am just personally deeply annoyed by how bad it is so we'll talk about that though i uh, don't want to don't want to start off on too much of a negative note here uh it's been a little while since we we've actually managed to record one of these how uh how are you doing chase uh, i'm doing pretty good uh you know we've we've both had uh,
0: uh trips and uh and and other things going on that have kept us from being able to record quite as frequently so i am sorry about the the spotty uh, release schedule this past month and change, but uh, hopefully we're we're just about through all of that, and we'll start getting onto a regular yeah. schedule here pretty soon. But uh, you know, a lot of stuff has happened since we've gotten to record one of these together. Ooh, uh, sure
1: has, definitely. Uh, it,
0: it's been a real roller coaster over for the folks at Vice. It sounds like
1: uh, <laughs> it. It sure does. Um, and um, we, we 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 saw the the shuttering of one of the best and most important gaming publications, uh, uh, you know, that existed, uh, Vice's Waypoints. That tremendously sucks, and we feel really bad for everyone involved. But uh, we are also happy that they managed to regroup as uh, Remap Radio and uh, that they are still going. And, uh, you know, we hope that this whole thing is uh, ultimately really... uh, you know, a really good situation for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, this was going to be a much more dour thing until they they sort of managed to uh, to to resurrect as um, as remap. Uh, but you know, I do just want to say really fast, like I don't. I want you all to realize, like journalism is important, and even in the game space, like actual journalism is important. And please don't confuse like Twitch streamers or you know, like advertising as games journalism. Don't even confuse like what we do is games journalism, really. Like we try to go into the history of stuff. We we try to remain neutral to companies. And I mean, sometimes we'll be outright antagonistic to companies because we don't like capitalism. But what we do still isn't journalism. Like we don't have the access or the time to do that kind of like hard hitting journalism that folks like Patrick Klepek do. So, you know, yeah. support journalists and whenever it. you can.
1: Yeah. And and it is really hard in a lot of ways to do that kind of journalistic work, both from like the amount of time, effort and skill it takes and from the resources that you need to have. Like, uh, you know, Patrick Klepek has talked about how it's much it's it's very hard to to do the kind of like reported journalistic pieces that like he, you know, likes to do uh, on your own without a company backing you up because you kind of need a legal team (laughs) to be there to back you up, which is why he has said that like remap, uh, you know, is going to have a lot of the more like, kind of like, you know, commentary and like personality focused stuff that, that they've been known for doing, but that any like really heavy, serious reported pieces that he wants to do, he's probably going to need to work with like another media outlet to do those. And like, that's just the reality of it. So appreciate that whenever you see people really out there doing the work and, uh, you know, uh, just try to support them if you can. And yeah, uh, I would say, I I do want to say that, like, uh, I don't know that we've ever talked a ton about waypoint or like what they do on this show, but I personally think I, I would not have taken the approach to, to this show that I have personally, if, waypoint had not been out there kind of leading the way and you know the kind of like thoughtful commentary and just just trying to be really like authentic about about you know where you're coming from and what interests you in in talking about games is a thing that i've always found really inspiring about what those people do and i'm really glad they're going to be able to keep doing it so uh you know uh, yeah thank you so much to everyone who listens to our show and you know if you are interested in something that maybe goes even even further it, it just really smart people uh, who who you know have a lot of of you know interesting insights into things and a lot of stuff to say about like kind of the intersection of like you know games and culture and capitalism and all of that uh, if you've never listened to, waypoint uh or or now you know remap uh go and go and check them out because they're really cool and they're they're doing it for themselves now so yeah
0: yep yeah um i met patrick Klepik once uh and i am happy to say he is every bit as, as kind as he seems on uh on the internet um that's great yeah you know, glad that they're still there. Glad that this uh, story has a happier ending than uh-huh. we were thinking it would a few weeks ago when we were talking about yeah, bringing this up. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Speaking of happy
1: endings, Pat Robertson's dead. Yeah, he is. Happy Pride, uh, everyone. <laughs> yep. Uh, Rod Piz, yep. Rod and piss, Pat. Rod and piss, Pat. So, uh Yeah. Pat Robertson, uh, one of the worst human beings uh, of the 20th and 21st centuries. Uh, a, A man who did incalculable harm to minorities, the culture, everything is dead and that's just good yep
0: um i wish i knew more of the the munchkin uh coroner song to to apply it to this uh to get us back on track to the video games but i don't it's been a really long time since i've seen that movie uh anyway folks we're a video game podcast talking about super nintendo games in case this is your first time here i promise that's what we do (laughs) yep um We've got three games to talk about today. We have got the Troddlers. weird name. Um weird name. Yeah. Yeah, we've got um True Golf Classics Wicked 18 and we have got the Wizard of Oz. Uh where Uh we've really got the good, the bad and the ugly today.
1: <laughs> we're pretty much pretty much yeah. Where do we want to start? <laughs> I think, uh, I, you know, I I generally like to end on an up note, so I think let's go ahead and start with, uh, Wicked eighteen, then we can continue okay. on with the Wizard of Oz and end up with Travelers. Does that sound good to you?
0: Sounds good to me. Let's uh, let's do it. So Wicked eighteen. Uh, this comes from to us from publisher TNE Soft, no sorry, developer TNE Soft, publisher Bulletproof Software. We have talked about these folks before, but just in case you needed a quick refresher, TNE Soft was founded in 1982 in Nagoya, Japan by brothers Toshihiro and AG Yokoyama. One of their earliest games was the 1984 action RPG Hydlide, which came out on the MSX, PC 88, and NES, among several other platforms. In 2002, the, develop, uh, the founders left, and the company was absorbed by Disney, with their name changing to D Wonderland. Three years later, they would end game development altogether, releasing the name TE Soft back to the founders, who now had formed a new company called Deep, uh, and uh, actually two companies, one called Deep and one called Digital Golf. The later would be renamed D&E... The, Sorry, the latter would be renamed TNE Soft, though that company too would be dissolved in 2019, having only released two games: one for the DSi called True Swing Golf Express, and the other for WiiWare called You, Me, and the Cubes, a game that offends uh, me greatly with its lack of an Oxford comma. We stand the Oxford comma here.
1: I remember that game. Yeah. Uh, screw them for not 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 taking grammar seriously. Yep.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, uh, Bulletproof was the company founded by Hank Rogers that brought Tetris to Nintendo and to the West in general from behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, I know we've gone into that company's history before. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and look, you can easily research them. Did not they make a movie about them recently?
1: They made a movie about the whole Tetris thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taron Egerton played Hank Rogers. Oh, there you go. So. Uh, yeah.
0: So you can just watch that if you need a refresher on them. Uh, this is the. Yep third true golf classics game that we've looked at on this show and uh really stretching the validity of the word true as this is not based on a real yeah. golf course nor is it based on a golf course
1: that could possibly exist uh, yeah um we got some weird fantasy golf going on here and uh I gotta say uh, I think they maybe should have gone even more fantastical because it might have helped
0: yeah you know I I sometimes imagine that like it would be really funny to make mini golf, but like blown up into actual golf proportions. Like you're actually hitting a uh-huh. golf ball through a, an actual windmill or something like that. Uh, this is maybe as close right. as that concept has ever gotten in video game form, anyway. Um, I don't know
1: how yeah. I feel about it.
0: It's it's weird.
1: It's it's very weird. Um, yeah, like so. There's a there's a strange uh, there's a strange sort of mix of elements here that I find both kind of endearing, but also I think makes this a much worse game than the other true golf classics games personally. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, we talked about two of these in the past. Uh, we talked about uh, what, what was it? It was YLI and the, the other one was, was Pebble beach, yep. right? I mm-hmm. think. And it, this game is exactly like those. It is the same kind of thing where it's actually very technically, technologically ambitious, for the Super Nintendo, you have essentially like a 3D view of a golf course, which uh, changes every time you you hit the golf ball uh, and the the ball, you know, moves to a new location. The, it's pretty slow because it feels like the game is definitely having to redraw the entire environment from a new angle each time you mm-hmm. do this. Yeah, uh, you have all the stuff that you would expect from one of these games. You have all of your different clubs. You have you know, to take wind into account, foot position. And uh yeah, this also has the odd TNE soft specific uh golf ball hitting interface where you, you know, click a me- you kinda like double click a meter and then you have to click when while this dot is traveling down the ball uh to to you know hit it at a particular point on on the ball. And yep. It's interesting. I, I think we have both kind of agreed that, like, the the PGA Tour golf-style uh, triple-click is, is honestly kind of a better system than this. But it's still fine. Uh, mm-hmm. The big thing that's odd here is that, yes, we do have these kind of, like, fantastical settings. You know, there's sometimes, like, floating islands in the background or, or weird fantastical elements. And the holes themselves are not things that could exist in real life. We are talking about things that are much more, like you said, uh, kind of mini golfy here. The second hole honestly just makes me think of Bob on Battlefield a lot <laughs> uh, from Mario 64. And uh, yeah, if you think that uh, playing very granular simulation type golf Very slowly on geographically discordant, uh, you know, pieces of land sounds fun. I think you should play this game because I think you will see that you're wrong because, yeah, yeah, it don't work. It don't work, folks. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, yeah, I was having a reasonably good time
0: with this game and then I got to hole five. Hole five has you starting out from the tee with your pitching wedge out. I'm like, hmm, well, that seems weird. Uh, turns out that's because you start not too far from the hole, but the hole is up like two layers of plateaus that are that are very high above you. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I have to hit it up there. So I try a couple of times, hit it as hard as I can, try and get under the ball as much as I can. Can't do it. Can't get it up there. I can't get it up. Can't get it up. <laughs> uh so then i think okay maybe i'm supposed to go around and it turns out yeah that's what i'm supposed to i'm supposed to go around um so i i get out a different club um and i and i aim you know differently you know because the the game always just sort of defaults you just like going straight towards the hole, you know as the crow flies kind of thing um so i i i hit it that in that direction and then i can kind of get you know like the 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 cliff isn't quite as uh, as steep or as is you know tall on the other side of the course. I'm like, okay, I can hit it up here, and then I can come back and start my way back this way. This, this is the kind of BS that the game is expecting you to do. Right. Yeah. So I I approach the hole finally from the correct direction, and then I accidentally hit it a little bit too hard, and it falls all the way back down the freaking mountain. And I'm at that point. I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this again. I'm done. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that that was that was the end of my time with this game. No, I mean like, I can practice. I I know the route now. I can practice. I can get better at this. But like, the game threw this what kind would of BS. Want to, uh, yeah, yeah. what I want to, and the game threw this kind of BS at me. On hole five. Like, I, I can kind of understand, you know, like you've got this fantastical sort of elements going on. You've got the cool flying islands somewhere, somebody at Nintendo was looking at that and years later would think, hey, remember that golf game? Let's incorporate that into our new Zelda game. I'm sure that's how it happened. That's right.
1: Um, that's definitely what happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You've got like lava traps. Uh, you've you've got giant sand traps that seem to take up like a good chunk of the fairway in some holes. You know, I, mm-hmm. I can understand like you've got all this stuff. You can you, you know you you have the 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 um the limits are gone. You can do whatever you want. So I can understand the desire to make like a really obnoxious golf course, but like. I don't know. Maybe you could use those fantasy elements for a more traditional golf course for at least the first nine holes. And then maybe the back nine, you start really implementing the BS. I mean, like, like we sports golf kind of did that sort of thing. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. That's true. That's true. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, these feel like the expert level, like maybe like this is too hard, but if you've mastered the regular golf course you want something a lot more challenging holes that would be like locked away as like a secret course inside in, in a golf game you know like yeah. yeah and i just think it's too much to start with here yeah and i i really just have to wonder like if you're
0: coming to a game called true golf classics and you're looking for a reasonable golf facsimile on the super nintendo is this the kind of thing you want would you want this i i honestly I don't, don't know, know. Yeah. i'm not that I, person but No, I could see this really frustrating somebody who isn't expecting this level of just obnoxiousness in the courses, you know?
1: Right. And well, and for me, what it did was having to deal with these really unforgiving, really ridiculous, uh, you know, golf, uh, you know, setups kind of supercharged how annoyed I was with other elements of the game that were like okay in the other true golf classics games that were based on you know regular more like easygoing you know uh real world golf courses uh you know like the just the slowness of everything when you're already having a fight with the the course itself to make any progress having everything takes so long from like repositioning to setting up, you know, different, different parameters for your shot, all of it. Uh, just, it made it so much worse.
0: Yeah. When you're trying to hit the ball up a mountain and the screen needs to take, uh, take a few seconds to redraw the course. Every time the ball falls out of frame and this is the third time you've attempted it and you have to spend, you know, like maybe 15 seconds watching the ball roll down the hill again. Yeah. It, it, it gets it wears real thin, real fast. <laughs> yeah,
1: it does, it super does.
0: So, yeah, I, you know, again, I think this is fine. It's, 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 you know, it's another one of these, but I don't know if I think there's a good reason why these needed to be so obnoxious, especially so early on in the course. Um, so I, yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to want to recommend these over the other two that we've already played. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't, I would say if you've already mastered those and you love these games so much that you just really want another one, go ahead and play this, but I would never recommend these over the first two. Uh, It's, it's just, I don't know. It's forgive me for saying this about a golf game, but it's too big of a swing. They did not manage it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you.
0: Um, So I I guess the big question for me is, you know, like, does this barely hang in the C tier, which is where uh, both of the other True Golf Classics games have ended up now? Or does this one fall?
1: I I think this might be a D, honestly.
0: This this, this one rolls down the C plateau and into D territory, just like so many of my balls rolled off the mountain.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, no, that's that's sort of where I'm at with this. I feel like this is like a, a a fairly significant step down from the other two. So i I would say I would put this in D if it were just me ranking it. So. Okay. I I think I'm fine with that. Now, one thing I will say for the in this game's favor, uh, it is very funny that they did not change out like the the caddy or anything for like an orc or something like it's still just like you know uh like a perky lady and like you know a golf outfit like treating this exactly like it is a normal golf course that is very funny to me uh but it's that's not enough to recommend this game off yeah
0: like I I do like that. They were a little bit restrained with the fantasy part of it. You know, the, like you're not in a medieval golf course or anything like that. You're just in a golf course where, yeah, rocks no, no, can fly and, that... and there's lava here sometimes for some reason.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really think that the people who made this game were just hungry to get back to Hydelide. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm glad they eventually did and uh made used this same engine to make one of the most insane games ever made. Uh you know, you, yeah. you know about virtual you know about that one, right? I don't. Uh so it's a Sega Saturn game, so we will not be playing it on here. Okay. But okay. uh TNE Soft ultimately made uh a 3D Hydalide game called Virtual Hidalide using this golf game engine it's basically like what if you made a zelda game but it it looked and moved exactly like this thing uh but faster because it's on a more capable system it is weird it is so weird Wait, is this the one with like the the, the somewhat
0: photorealistic monsters? Yes. Okay. It is. Okay. And, yeah. And
1: the and the hero who's just like a guy, right? He's just like a guy wearing like a Halloween costume, basically.
0: Yes. Okay. I have seen this before. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I remember that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm sorry to derail no, us, that's but fine. I did feel like this was the last time we were probably gonna going to encounter these folks here. And uh, I did want to mention that thing at least once. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess that that's it. That's all I've yeah. got. Uh, uh, did you have any, any other thoughts about this one uh, before we move I'm, on? I'm glad the caddy wasn't an orc. She was a cutie. She was a cute, yeah, yeah, yeah. cute, cute lady. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I was yeah. getting a little bit tired of her telling me to like to, to cut my losses on this one. Like, I, like I'm just trying yeah. to get through the course at this point. Okay, I don't even.
1: I know it's like, look, I'm not gonna win. Yeah.
0: I know I'm not gonna win. I'm not even. I'm not even trying to win. I'm, we're not going for gold here. We're just. We're just going for like, can I get through this course? And the answer was no. No, I could not. So, uh, so I, I probably disappointed her greatly and, and for that, you know, I don't know if I can recover from that, but, uh, but, uh, hey, you know what? At least I'm not as big a failure as the next game we're going to talk about. That's true. That's true. Um, um, folks, uh, let's, um, let's follow the yellow brick road and head over to the wonderful land
1: of Oz. Yep.
0: So, um, The Wizard of Oz on the Super Nintendo. This is a game that's got a bit of a reputation. Um, this is one that, like, I, I was looking through videos about The Wizard of Oz on Super Nintendo. The Angry Video Game Nerd covered this one 13 years ago. This was an early one for him, I think.
1: Yeah, okay. He must have really... So, yeah, the reputation precedes itself, clearly. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Snest Drunk had nothing good to say about it. Um, and he's... you usually pretty even keeled about these sorts of
1: things. Uh-huh. So uh well, you know, I've played it and I also have nothing good to say about it, basically. So uh you know, I think this is one where the reputation is deserved. Like like honestly, way more than like some of the games that are like really infamously terrible, like your your Deadly Towers or whatever. Yeah. Uh this this thing is just rough all around. Yeah. So um
0: so anyway, this one comes to us from publisher Seta, a publisher with a few games to their name and not much else. Most of their games came out on the Super Nintendo, included games like Musia, the classic Japanese tale of horror, Kakoma Night in Busyland, Kendo Rage, and the F1 ROC series, to name a few. So, uh, yeah, you know, th-
1: th- th- those sure are games. I mean, we, we've, we've liked some of those we games, have. even, you know. Uh, it's... Uh yeah like this this one just feels like it fell straight into like the licensed game hell basically yeah you know well, maybe we yeah. can put
0: some of that blame on the uh the developer This was developed by Manley & Associates, which was a small studio founded in 1982 by Ivan Manley in Issaquah, Washington. Some of their earliest products included the edutainment 3D modeling program, Hometown USA, and the platform game Pharaoh's Revenge, both released in 1988. They also developed the Storybook Weaver program in 1992 in a collaboration with Mech, That's M-E-C-C. And if you grew up in the late 80s, early 90s playing edutainment games on your school's Apple II, You definitely remember that name. Uh, That uh, same year, they made Night Creatures, a side-scrolling horror game for the TurboGrafx-16. And a year later, they'd put out Super Conflict, uh, which is a strategy game we talked about some time ago.
1: We did. That was like the the hex-based one, right?
0: Yeah, that I surprisingly didn't mind, even though that's usually not my thing at all. Um, Right, yeah. So yeah, their, their gamography is diverse to say the least. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, the studio was acquired in 1996 by EA who moved the studio to Bellevue and renamed it EA Seattle. As EA Seattle, the studio would work mostly on Need for Speed games until it was shuttered completely in 2002. And that's pretty much the story of Manly and Associates. And, um, yeah, the uh, this is uh, based on The Wizard of Oz, which was a book a series, a children's book series released in 1900 with the famous movie starring Judy Garland, which came out in 1939. Y'all probably don't need me to rehash yeah. the history of The Wizard of Oz. Y'all know what The Wizard of Oz is. It's inescapable. But, uh, oh boy, this game is awful. This, this game awful. sucks
1: so much. This is one of... Like I I, my initial reaction to this was this may be one of the worst games I personally have ever played like in my life. I don't know with like a little bit more distance. I don't know if that's quite true, but it's terrible. It's so bad. Uh, Like what is bad about this game? So this is a really kind of like a, you know, an action platformer. This game has actually got some good ideas. Action side scrolling platformer. You start out just playing as Dorothy. she has a little star wand that she can shoot enemies with. uh that has limited ammo so if it runs out you got to start kicking them with a terrible short range kick, which is mapped to the X button. yeah why did they map the attack to the X button the one on top what what I don't Sorry. know it's it is like the people making this had never played a platform game before truly Uh, as you go along you you do collect the other traveling companions of Dorothy and you can switch between them freely and they all have kind of different move sets you are encouraged to replay older levels uh, with new characters after you get them and this is all perfectly fine ideas Uh, it's really all down to the execution Uh, In a few different ways. One of the ways that this does not work at all is that the levels are full of very annoying puzzles in addition to, you know, more kind of traditional actioning elements. Uh, The very first level, in fact, has a a very annoying, like essentially teleporter maze that you have to go through in a, a munchkin house inexplicably. And uh not not a good foot to start this thing off on. The design of the action elements of this game is just atrocious. The sprites for your characters are way too big. They have really fuzzy hit detection. The levels are crammed full of enemies that should that, that will randomly be able to hurt you. Uh, even though it seems like they are way too far away for that. There are unclear platforms where you can't tell what's a background element and what is you know a a thing that you can actually jump on there are very annoying little puzzle segments where you play as Toto I'm just trying to give it like an overall picture of what the game feels like to play and like everything they tried to do here feels bad including navigating the map which I had real trouble with the world map is like unnecessarily um, hard to parse and and
0: Uh, Yeah, like almost everything about this game is is completely wrong and bad. But, you know, I I do want to back up a little bit um, because, you know, you, you said you had nothing good to say about this game. I'll I want to pay this game a few compliments really quick before I kind of like dive into like, you know, this problem that I had with the okay, sure. puzzle elements. I just think it's a good example of like what this game gets wrong. So, I mean, first of all, you know, like the graphics are good. It definitely evokes the, the, the movie visuals. You know, I think that's fine. Um, the music is, a uh, serviceable facsimile, you know, of, of songs from the wizard of Oz done in MIDI version. It, you know, it's fine. Um, the, the, um, main hook of this game is that you're going through these levels, collecting, um, Yellow Bricks, to complete the Yellow Brick Road that will take you into other countries, and you are also, well, what the game calls countries, and you are also uh, collecting tickets. You have to collect so many tickets uh, in each country to unlock the end of the game, which is where you finally get to the Emerald City. It's not a bad concept. The thing is that, you know, like, I I wish this game had been more exploration based had been more of like a you know a 2d platformer in the vein of super mario world where you're looking through different nooks and crannies and coming back with different characters who have different abilities who can recontextualize levels in some ways because they can explore them differently um you know i think there's a good idea there but instead this game just throws a bunch of bs at you in order to get these tickets and like one thing it makes you do is that you have to finish these puzzles in order to uh, get access to some of right, the tickets. Right, the Toto and,
1: puzzles, yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, and one of the Toto puzzles that I encountered in my time with the game is where I had to um, roll dice, and then whatever the dice landed on, I had to eliminate numbers that either uh, were the sum of the two dice that I rolled or could be summed to the sum of those two dice, but... You have to get all of the numbers one through twelve eliminated. Only one way to get twelve when you roll two dice, and that's to get two sixes. So if you don't get if you don't get lucky enough to get two sixes in a certain number of rolls, you will lose the game and have to do it again. And you have to do this in order to collect one of the tickets to finish the game. That's so terrible. It's, it's, it's completely luck based. There's a a. a A part of the game early on in the first level where you have to go through a door and go through um, these different rooms by, you know, figuring out which door you have to go in. But you don't have good context for like which door takes you where when you spawn into a new room, you're not in front of a door. So you don't know like, okay, do both of these two doors take me to different places? Did I come out of one of these doors? You have no context for that. And again, there's a ticket at the end of this weird door maze, so you have to go through it to complete the game. I, I couldn't get past the third level. There were too many annoying enemies. Like, I, you know, they're, they're, the game just throws too much at you. The concepts are weird. They're either things that don't feel like they belong in the Wizard of Oz, like moving anthropomorphic chairs that are attacking you, uh-huh. or like ideas that they were just grasping so desperately to come up with anything. like. I was trying to figure out, why are there evil lemons that are falling on me? And then I remembered, oh, the song, Where Troubles Melt Like Lemon Drops. They're thinking literally of lemons dropping on you. So that was their idea. Platforms are ambiguous sometimes. And I get that, like, I think part of that is because, like, the Scarecrow is supposed to be able to stand on smaller platforms that the other characters Uh are too heavy to stand on. But, you know, like, it's just not made clear enough. And it's not even like the art style is... Interesting enough, like something like Earthworm Jim, where right. they just got a little bit too ambitious.
1: Everything a pretty basic is... looking game, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it like, is. It doesn't look bad, but it, it doesn't have, like, yeah, like the, the platform, uh, you know, lack of clarity does not come from these, like, lushly illustrated backgrounds or anything. Like, it, it is not that kind of game, no, for sure. No, definitely not.
0: Like, you get a, a projectile early on. It's like these yellow gems for some reason that you can shoot out of the wand, uh-huh. but you have limited ammo
1: and the game doesn't tell you how much ammo you have. What? Right. What are it's you doing? terrible. What is happening? And like the icon on the like HUD is really unclear. Cause if you have the gems, you see an image of the gem. It's not really clear that those are the thing you're shooting, but that's what it is. That that's what, shows up on the HUD. If you're out of it, it shows you the wand, which is the thing that you're using to shoot these these gems from. Like the like why is that the why is that what they did? I don't get it. I don't understand in the least why this is why this is the way it is. And yeah, the game is just full of like bizarre little decisions like that. Like for most games that come out Seemingly kind of, you know, not really working correctly, especially for like licensed games. There's a real sense that like, oh, they didn't have enough time for this. Like this is just like slap together whatever you can in the time you've got and move on to the next project. Maybe that's the case here, but it feels like there's a lot of work that went into this thing. It just all ended up at like incredibly incredibly you know bad ends like it's like it it it, i I don't know i don't understand how a game gets to be like this this game because this is the thing there's a lot of content in this game this is long this this game you know like long plays of this game are multiple hours long which is on the high end for a platform game on the super nintendo and you know multiple characters all these different puzzle concepts and stuff ambition was was clearly evident in this but it, it it's so bad like it's just it just it's just terrible to play you know and it, it, it's
0: weird that this came out like based around the, the, the wizard of oz in the 90s like wicked came out in 2003 so a wizard of oz video right. game project makes sense in the odds um the wiz came out in the 70s so like maybe maybe a wiz specific video game makes sense in like 19 in the 1980s somewhere but
1: like yeah and then they did return to oz in the 80s no oh, yeah yeah know? there you go uh but 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 yeah so like every decade just about apart from the 90s actually does have a thing where you could you could tie the the desire to make a wizard of oz game to something else that was was going on. I, I don't know why they did this here.
0: Yeah. It, uh, the only thing I could come up with is uh, apparently Deke released a cartoon based on The Wizard of Oz in 1990 that I don't think anybody watched. It lasted for 13 episodes and uh, uh-huh. ended on a cliffhanger. So, uh-huh. you know, clearly they thought we might get a second season out of this and did not. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, there there was a there's a fandom wiki that says, like, maybe some of the levels were inspired by that cartoon. Uh, like any good fandom wiki, it doesn't cite sources on that. So I have no idea of where not, they got yeah. that from, but I guess it's possible. Um, there is a lot of stuff in here that feels very un-Wizard of Oz like. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, sure. No, I mean, the the best I've got is that it's either the Deke cartoon or just part of some kind of larger initiative on the part of like turner or whoever owned the wizard of oz at this point i guess it was yeah it turner. was turner yeah it says on the uh, title screen uh, yeah. yeah it says on the title screen to to merchandise the wizard of oz more because like the instruction manual for this game has ad has an ad for other wizard of oz collectibles oh, yes, right. at the end of it <laughs> um like crazy stuff like set like a 700 dollar like model of the emerald city Like oh It's like, who the (laughs) hell is going to look at this Super Nintendo game and think, oh, yes, let's do that. Do
0: you think they even manufactured that? Do you think like any they they ever expected anyone to order that?
1: No, no, I bet not. But yeah, like that sort of gives me the impression that maybe the people who paid for this game to get made conceived of it sort of on the same level as like, you know, Elvis Presley, like, like collectible dinner plate. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know if this got advertised on on TV on like Saturday afternoon, you know, basic broadcast TV, but it feels like it would have. I hate this game too. It's so bad. I, I will give it one compliment sure, actually, yeah. which is that I, I think the uh the cutscene that kind of opens this game is extremely funny. Where yes. you get like you, you get like a a a very detailed sprite drawing, uh pixel drawing of Judy Garland as Dorothy and like some of the lyrics of uh Over the Rainbow, mm-hmm. while like a MIDI version of it plays. Uh, And then she is, like, whisked away to Oz in, like, a really awkward-looking, like, rotating sprite situation. And then you get the actual, like, in-game, like, player character sprite of Dorothy. Um, And then just, like, a Glenda head in a bubble floats over to her and starts talking. Uh And uh, gives her the wand and the ruby slippers. And then another bubble with the witch head. Uh, with, like, the Wicked Witch head uh, sort of just, like, bobbles over and is like, hey, I will steal your dog. Yep. And that's the setup for the game. It's it's really, really funny to me, I, honestly. I,
0: I found two other things really funny about the presentation around this game. Um, for one thing, the attract <laughs> mode just has Dorothy immediately jumping to her death. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, five seconds. It is, if that, it is five seconds or less. The level starts. Dorothy oh. just immediately jumps off of a mushroom and, and falls that's into so a pit. That's
1: so good. That's so like, funny. Yeah, that's
0: that is going to be most people's experience in this game. It's like just just uh-huh. end it, just end it as fast as possible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and speaking of which, after you lose your last life, you just get a screen that just says the end, like in in the the, yep. the style of the actual ending screen uh-huh. of the movie. And I was just like, "Yep, sure is, sure is," because I'm never playing this again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. So this is an F-tier game. Yes. It uh, goes without saying, obviously. Yeah. Um, Are you ready to rank it? Or do we want to... Do we have any more, like, things to say about this I've
0: game? I've got nothing else to say about this game. All I'm right. looking
1: at this list here. The The
0: lowest-ranked game that we have from 93 right now is Last Action Hero, which is no, um, uh, 47. I keep forgetting to flip the numbers here so that it actually, like, uh-huh. makes some sense. But... um. Last action here was the one, two, three, four, fifth worst game on our list right now. Yeah. Um I think this is worse
1: than that I th- personally. I think this is worse than that too. I think I would rather play that game than than spend another second with this thing. Yeah. And you know, I think it's also worse than Robocop three, which is which is above below that on the list. Yeah. I don't think I can say this is worse than the Rocketeer um no the rocketeer is something extremely special but i think this slots pretty comfortably between those two as one of the top five worst games on the super nintendo yeah
0: i'm i'm all for it so uh congratulations to uh the aquatic games which we reviewed very recently i don't think you're one of the top 10 worst games anymore no yeah got real lucky there yep so uh so I'm sure James Pond will be sending Dorothy some flowers for that one. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> because yeah. obviously, you know, um, first of all, video game characters are very real and they definitely pay attention to our rankings. They care a lot about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're hanging on our everywhere. Yep.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, let's forget this game ever existed and let's talk about something Um Maybe weirder, but a lot better Uh, Let's talk about A lot better Let's let's talk about the Trottlers
1: The Trottlers Uh, So before we get into talking about the game uh, Which, you know, we will have genuinely very, very, you know, nice things to say about I do just want to say that I did sp- I did put this one off uh a, whi- a a while while I was like playing these games for the show just because the name makes me like viscerally recoil. It's like it's like oh the toddlers. It's a dumb name. Yuck. It's a dumb name. Yeah. But once I did finally sit down and play it I had a lot of fun. Uh, so what's going on with the troddlers What's going on with the people who made this thing? Yeah,
0: so um, so I actually think you've got a little bit of information to give uh, to us about this as well. But uh, I will say yes. this was originally released on the Amiga in 1992, it would get ported to DOS computers and the SNES uh, a year later. The game was published by Seka and Storm, at least on the Super Nintendo... Storm was the name used by company Sales Curve to publish some games back in the 90s. It was a name that they used because Sales Curve doesn't sound like a video game company, and uh, I I tend to agree. Uh, Baffled by the fact that they still left the name Sales Curve on the Storm logo, but all right. So uh, Sales Curve was founded in 1988 by Jane Cavanaugh after a trip to Japan had inspired her to get into this whole video game business. Uh, For the first several years, the company would mostly be known for porting popular games to computer systems. Uh, They worked on ports for things like Shinobi, Double Dragon 3, and NARC, to name a few. Uh, mostly porting these games to systems like the Amstrad CPC, Atari ST, and Commodore 64. Uh, they would work on some games of their own as well. In the early nineties, they developed uh, SWIV, which would end up on the SNES at, under the name Firepower 2000, which I think we've already talked about. We did. Pla- yeah, we did. Uh, much like the reasoning behind the name storm to publish some of their games, they would later change their name to SCI, short for sales curve interactive, Uh, Many credit 1997's Carmageddon as the studio's first big hit. They would seemingly ride this momentum into the aughts. In 2005, Psy would acquire IDOS, which would give them, uh, among other things, ownership of the Tomb Raider license. Uh, But the good times wouldn't last forever, and Laura Croft could not carry a company on her own. By 2007, the writing was on the wall, there were talks to sell the company, but none of these materialized into a deal on which shareholders blamed Kavanaugh's unrealistically high asking price. As a result, Kavanaugh would end up leaving the company in early 2008 before the shareholders could show her the door themselves. Square Enix would end up acquiring the company a year later. And uh, I think you've got something to tell us about the company that originally developed yeah. or published
1: this game originally. I know. I uh, yeah, this was the original developer okay. of of the, the game. So this started life as an Amiga game, uh, which I think you said. And uh, it uh, was developed in its original version by uh, a Swedish game developer uh, called Atod. And ATOD, um, I went down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole on ATOD because I was sort of curious about, like, what they ended up doing. Oftentimes, these, like, you know, European Amiga developers, either they didn't stick around that long or they kind of morphed into something else that was, you know, stranger or, or whatever. Or they just got bought by Infogrames and don't exist anymore. <laughs> right. uh, so this company... Uh, they did make a number of other games in the 90s, and eventually they merged with a British game developer called Warthog Games and renamed to Warthog Sweden. And this is where things get pretty interesting to me, because uh, this ends up with them uh, ultimately being purchased by a company called Tiger Telematics, which uh, is not Tiger Electronics. Very different company, Tiger Telematics was the the uh the masterminds behind a short-lived gaming handheld called the Gizmondo. Oh boy, which is a a fairly infamous thing. Uh, wildly ambitious, seemingly in ways that made no sense and were never actually viable. It was like an internet connected. Uh, handheld game console. They claimed it would be able to do all these incredible things. Also, that it would be something that would be uh able to download smart ads that would be like geographically targeted at people. This was back in like the the like early two thousands. This is like uh 2000, 2000 you know fo- thousand four or five I think, and. Uh ultimately the Gizmondo story goes in a really weird direction where it turned out that a bunch of the people that were involved in bankrolling the thing were were like former like Russian Russian mafia, maybe still Russian mafia at the time of the, the thing getting made. Uh this may have in fact been a large money laundering scheme. And yeah, uh Warthog Sweden, <laughs> uh the company that is what eventually became of of, uh, you know, Atod, uh, they were the developers of a number of the cancelled Gizmondo games that people looked at and were like, this cannot be a real game, (laughs) Uh, including a game called Johnny Whatever and another game called Mama, Can I Mow the Lawn? Oh, (laughs) Um, boy. So, yeah, uh eventually after the Gizmondo thing went went belly up in a spectacular way that involved a man crashing uh an incredibly rare uh Ferrari on a California highway and f- uh blaming somebody else for it and skipping skipping the country, uh, yeah uh they they went out of business but yeah uh a, a truly wild place for this this company who made this cute little lemming style puzzle game to end up
0: yeah I you know
1: to the Gizmondo like could you actually buy a Gizmondo at some point like did, okay. yes you could briefly actually buy a Gizmondo. it did come out mostly in the UK I think like I don't think that it ultimately like they did sell it but in very limited forms in both Sweden and uh and, and the the United States uh the retail price in the US was 400 dollars uh, if you did not want the smart ads or 229 dollars if you did want Ugh. the device with smart ads enabled Gross. And uh it was only available this is this is how it was sold. It was sold at kiosks located in shopping malls. So like the places where you could usually go to get like your ears pierced or buy like uh, a uh, you know, a, a way overpriced uh, you know, little little like crystal statue in a mall. <laughs> well, at some of those, you could instead buy a gizmondo. And yeah, uh, only eight of the fourteen planned games for it were ever released in the uh, the the US. Uh, a little bit of the advertising weirdly did show up in Nintendo Power, and I'm not really sure how that works. But uh, yeah, that's that's the Gizmondo. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's the legacy of the Gizmondo.
0: I remember seeing stuff about it in video game magazines around that time, but I um I never saw it appear at GameStop at all, and I guess now I know why. It it's yeah. It's really wild to think this came around out around the time of the end gauge and somehow failed even more spectacularly than that so thing did. So
1: much more than the end gauge oh, yeah. Wow,
0: just, uh... Yeah, truly, truly. Incredible, but uh, so, but hey, we're talking about Troddlers now, in uh, this game... Let's is, talk about Troddlers, yeah. It's alright, so this game's got a story. It
1: sure does, it's got quite a story, actually. They
0: devote, like, one, two, three, four, five pages to telling this story through comics in the instruction manual, and then another uh, two pages uh, writing it out in text because they didn't include speech bubbles in the comics. Yep. So if you don't understand what's going on, it's basically kind of like a... It's a
1: Sorcerer's Apprentice sort of situation. Yep, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you got two little guys named Hocus and Pocus. Uh, well done there. They're troublemakers. They're learning magic, but uh, they don't like their master person uh, uh Davinius, and they're always causing trouble and then they uh create these troddlers, which it sounds like uh are created similar to a way that you would you know like get the brine shrimp the sea monkeys yep, just
1: add water the
0: dehydrated ones just just add water and and now you have living things and um divinius is all like hey you gotta put those guys back so uh so that leads us to the premise of the game where we've got to um help Hocus and or Pocus uh, lead these Troddlers, these little lemmings-like creatures, uh, from the doors in which they emerge to the exit doors uh, by by basically making blocks appear and disappear. This seems to be the limit of their powers, which, um, okay.
1: Yeah, they seem like, it seems like either they're not very talented or that Wizard is not a very good...
0: Teacher. but anyway you know uh, very sweaty establishing story aside the mechanics revolve around moving these little guys around a play field and uh you know it's a, it's a 2d puzzle platformer uh and you can make blocks appear you can jump but not very high you can really only jump like one block um in height but uh you can make blocks appear uh either uh orthogonally from your character or diagonally so you've got options there Uh, you can also make those blocks disappear and add them to your item pool. I guess, uh, you can, you can basically, you've got a limit as to how many blocks you've got available to you in each level. You can make blocks appear, they're pulled from your inventory, or you can take them back, but, uh, you can't use more blocks than you've got in your inventory. And yeah, you basically just want to make platforms, stairs, what have you, uh, to get the little guys from point A to point B, um, it works well enough. It's a little bit more crusty, super fun house than uh, than Lemmings.
1: And a little bit more actually puzzly than that, too. Then because than, like the game fairly early on starts kind of mixing up what you're being expected to do. Like sometimes you'll start a level and you actually will not have any blocks in your inventory. And you'll have to figure out how to retrieve blocks that are already in the level before you can use them to make the path for the little guys to go on to to get to, to the exit door. Uh, you know, you'll also have to collect secondary there's it eventually introduces like secondary objectives like you yourself have to go and like collect these gems that are, are strewn around the level in addition to getting the guys to the door to to beat it. So, yeah, um, you know, they they ask you to do a fair bit with these, like, fairly limited mechanics.
0: And it also gets more complex as the game goes on because the game eventually introduces zombie troddlers, which you actively have to prevent from getting into the door. Um, And also some of them apparently, I I think, can damage you. I think you do have a health meter, then that is a mechanic that comes into play later on. So a lot of things going on. Um, There's also a time limit in each of the levels as well. I'm going to say this is a personal thing for me. I don't care for puzzle games in which like timing is a big part of it, or, um, you know, I've got a time limit, although the time limit doesn't seem like it's a huge deal, at least early on. Maybe it becomes a thing that might actually be
1: the thing that causes you to lose a round later on. It really depends because the time limit is not standard across the levels. Like sometimes it'll be 10 minutes and sometimes it'll be like a minute and 30 seconds. And you've really got to, like, hustle to get everything set up just so uh, in that time. So,
0: yeah, I imagine there's some puzzles where it's like the the timer is going to be a factor here and you've got to pay attention to it. Um, but, yeah, that that sort of thing, that and just like, you know, timing as far as like making sure you can um, position the blocks at just the right time so that toddlers could get in but zombies can't. Not really my kind of thing. I prefer just having a puzzle that's just sort of laid out in front of me where I can just kind of take my time and contemplate things. So, But I I acknowledge that that is a a me thing. That's not me necessarily, um, you know, criticizing the game.
1: I can honestly take it or leave it. Like, I think that uh, I do kind of appreciate that they do kind of take it into account when designing these puzzles. I will say a thing that kind of annoyed me in this... Uh, is that I as far as I could tell I could not find a way to restart levels uh without letting the timer run down did you find it and, and like some sometimes uh part of the goal part of the the only way to solve the thing uh is to put yourself into a a sort of unrecoverable position where you're like down at the bottom of a pit and you can't do anything and you've just got to wait for the whole thing to play out. And, like, the idea is that you set it up well enough that... Once you go down there to activate like the final element that needs to happen for the level to be completable, uh, you know, everything else will play itself out. But if you do things out of order, you're just like, well, here I am for like three more minutes.
0: So actually, I'm, I'm looking in the instructions right now. There is a way to um to abort a level you have to okay, pause and then you have to pause and hold select. Uh, they probably could have made that a little bit okay, more wait. obvious. Yeah,
1: I think they could have made that clearer because I did try doing that, but I guess I did not hold select for long enough. Uh, I would put that in the the tutorial for the game or something, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, like Lemmings has a thing on screen for that, so. You yes, know, like,
1: this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I would really like it if it came up as like an option when you pause the game. But once again, it's good that it's there. Uh, it's that that is a, a personal problem of mine that I did not look for that answer hard enough, but. But still,
0: yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of mechanics that actually come into play later on. I didn't get very mm-hmm. far in this one because, again, it's it's not quite
1: my kind of puzzle game, but. Uh-huh. And there's just an enormous number of levels. Too. Yes. Like, yeah. So many levels. Yeah.
0: I would say if if like you really liked Krusty Super Funhouse and Lemmings, mm-hmm. you'll probably really enjoy this one as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you don't get anxious about the whole, you know, timing based puzzle platforming, um, again, you'll probably enjoy this. I, I I do think there's a lot that this game does right. I mean, it, it seems like a, a like it's perfectly good at what it's trying to be.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. I, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Um, I, I think that like the the controls for. You know, laying down the blocks is a little bit fiddly, but I don't really know that they did it in a wrong way. Just I I kind of wish that it felt a little better to do it because it's pretty easy to kind of put things in the wrong places or not really realize you could, you know, set things up quite the way that you need to. Uh, so yeah. that was a little frustrating to me, but it was stuff that I got used to. So Yeah,
0: I think this game could have used a few tutorial levels at the beginning that, like, really spell out the mechanics for you through gameplay, and and I think that would have made it absolutely perfect.
1: I agree. I I very much agree. But yeah, um, I find this game pretty fun, fairly charming and i appreciate that it found kind of a new way to combine some of these elements into in, in, into a distinct game that isn't just here's lemmings but with a different control scheme yeah
0: and know? i mean like e- even visually speaking these characters do look a lot like Lemmings, so, you know, it is still very, very Lemmings. The the main characters, Hocus and Pocus, kind of look like Tonberries it's from Final Fantasy, yeah?
1: They do look like Tonberries. I was trying to think of what they reminded me of, because, weirdly, they do look a bit like the drawings of Lemmings that you see in, like, the Lemmings instruction manuals. But uh, they don't particularly look like... Uh, you know, like like, like the the trottlers themselves don't really look like lemmings. But yes, you're right with the hoods and the like, kind of you know the the lanterns and everything. They do look like Tonberries. Yeah, I, I I don't know why I didn't think about that, but it's right there. Yeah. Um. I also uh, saw that this game has two player co op, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool because you got Hocus and you could play as Hocus and Pocus uh, if you had yeah. two players. Also, apparently, like a, a two
0: player um. More antagonistic mode, which I don't know how that works, but hmm. I guess that's a thing. No, yeah. that's interesting. There's like a there's, there's yeah. two player team and two player uh, versus, and I I don't know how the verses would work exactly, but the co op is cool. That is cool.
1: Yeah, I would say that I personally don't think I like this nearly as much as Lemmings, and I think I maybe don't even like it quite as much as Krusty's Super Fun House, but. This is a good uh, another good spin on this yeah. this kind of I game. I actually think
0: sure. that like for what it's doing, I think that maybe this is a slightly better version of Krusty Super Fun House. But yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's a more interesting game, and I think that I think there's a lot more like solidity to these puzzles if that makes any sense. Like these feel like really good setups for a brain teaser well you know yeah
0: i and so I, I don't know if these become multi-screen things later on but i know like at the beginning I don't,
1: I don't think they do i think it's always a single screen but they add more and more different kinds of elements and sub-objectives to it yeah and i i kind of like that i kind of
0: like that everything's a nice compact little puzzle box whereas crusty super fun house is more like these sprawling levels you know they, they go across multiple screens right and yeah it, which you know like mm-hmm. there, there's something to be said for that too That 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 concept has merit as well but i i personally Mm -hmm. prefer this kind of more compact you know like i've got
1: i I think that's fair yeah
0: yeah um and i guess with that maybe it's time to look at the ranking because we do have crusty super fun house is a c and i think lemmings is in the a tier is it
1: not yes it is in the a tier and honestly i think that my personal like so the thing that I, i guess makes me a little bit uh less of a fan of this than Krusty's, but i think may actually disappear if i played this a lot more is i do find these controls a little fiddly in a way that's pretty stressful um yeah but but, you know i don't know that i I think the game design is maybe actually a bit better than Krusty. yeah yeah i so i don't know do you I, i would say it's either a high c or a low b personally
0: yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of hard. Because I, I do agree with you that the, the controls are fiddly. Like, I think that, like, placing the blocks should have been more clear. Like, there's a button that you hit mm-hmm. that, like, immediately you've got a cursor that lets you use the D-pad to place a block. Where it, it yes. seems like that cursor doesn't appear until you start using the D-pad. So it's not obvious at first. And I, I feel like it should be. I feel like there's no reason to not, to, to, to make it that way. Um, so... I don't know. I I would still be willing to put this in B tier, but unless... I think
1: I think so. Okay. I, I think I think it feels good to me in uh, as a B tier game, uh, and yeah, like you know, I I think it did benefit for me certainly from playing it after I played the Wizard of Oz. But no, I I was really struck by how clever and and you know engaging this game is. So. I think if you if you like this kind of game and you haven't played this one, which you may not have, because I, I feel like it's probably more obscure than the other two games we've been comparing. Oh, yeah. To, yep. Uh, You give this one a look. I, I think it's neat. And uh, it's one of those things where even if it's not my favorite game, I am glad that doing this show exposed me to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, oh, I want to add also oh, yes. uh, I was re I was rechecking my Gizmondo info uh and uh it was the Swedish uh organized crime uh that that the, the Oh the Swedish mafia not was the world. Swedish not the, mafia, yeah. not the Russian mafia that he was connected to. And also, uh given that I did not, you know, rigorously fact check everything I said, uh just say everything that I said earlier is alleged because I don't know how provable some of that stuff was. I do not want to get sued. Uh,
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 We we, like, like I said at the beginning of this, we're We're not talking. We're we're not journalists. journalists. We just look up stuff on like Wikipedia and whatever their cited links are, which hopefully people actually remember to cite things on their uh, they're better yeah. about it on Wikipedia than they are on fandom wikis at the very least.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for, for Trottlers, for Gizmondo, for... Uh, for October 93. Per, yeah, for October 93. We did it. We're, we It took us a very long time to get through this month, but we did manage to do it. And you know what that means, folks. It's time for another Playing With Power episode next time here on the show.
0: Yep. We're going to be doing that next time. And then we're going to have another little special after that, because we're going to be, we're going to be adding a little bit extra spice to these episodes. Yeah, uh, going forward we're add a,
1: a fun new, a new segment to them that we're going to, we're going to kind of do a special episode to intro that. And then hopefully uh, everyone out there, ho- hopefully y'all, y'all like it. And uh, you know, we will, uh, we'll have a little bit of, of new stuff to, to, to kind of, uh, round out these episodes with, yep. uh, going forward.
0: And one final bit of house cleaning. I am not on Twitter anymore. Uh, I am done with Twitter. Woo! Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, you can still find me on Instagram at least until they, they kick me off of Instagram again, cause they keep threatening me for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, it, it's probably the VPN. Um, Hey, Instagram, people use VPNs, get over it. <laughs> um, and uh but you can also find me on uh tumblr you can find me on mastodon there's links on uh, honestpiranha.com if you want to go to either of those um and
1: yeah i think that's gonna do it so uh thanks for listening everybody yeah thanks for listening uh we hope you enjoyed this uh we hope that uh we hear you we see you here next time and uh yeah and until then I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Chase Keys. And Pat Robertson is uh really most sincerely dead. Play it loud. Have a good have a good one. <laughs> Happy pride. Happy Pride.
0: Our intro-outro song is How Now, Brown Cow by TechnoAxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at TechnoAxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com.